0: You know, I was thinking about Mother's Day uh, for a while, just leading up to this weekend, and thinking about what what would be an appropriate message today as we celebrate the special moms in our lives. And I was reminded about a real story that we learn about in the book of Luke chapter 10. Um, This happens to be, I I feel like I say this a lot. I feel like I say I have a lot of favorite stories, but this is one of them. I, I just absolutely love this story. So, the text that we're going to look at today, it takes place in the middle of Jesus's earthly ministry. It's before Jesus is arrested, wrongly accused, uh, crucified, and then ultimately raised from death. Now, there are a couple of characters that we need to get familiar with before we read this text today. And the first are our two sisters, uh, Martha and Mary. And along with their brother Lazarus, who's actually not mentioned in this story, um, this family would have been extremely close with Jesus. And we know actually from other places in Scripture uh, that Jesus was really comfortable around this family. In fact, their home was likely Jesus' home away from home. And it's through this encounter in Luke chapter 10 that we're given just a huge picture of the heart of God a huge picture of, of the love that he has for his people and his desire to help us grow deeper in our relationship with him. So before we, we look at the text this morning, I'd like for all of us to to go to God in prayer and just ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to our lives today through God's word. Let's do that this morning. Father, we are, are grateful for the moms that are in our lives today. And while this message was was certainly uh, inspired with with moms in mind, this is an encouragement for everybody. So as we look at this text today, Lord, I ask that you would just speak to our hearts individually, that you would help us apply these truths uh, to our lives individually, but then this would affect our families and our church, our communities, that people would see Jesus in our lives. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 10 this morning, verse 38 through 42. If you have your Bibles, you can open up uh, to Luke chapter 10. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, We'll look at it on the screen this morning, and you can also use your, your Bible app today. So Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, says this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. So, Martha and Mary both love Jesus. They love Jesus. And in this particular setting, they they were both serving Jesus. But it's in this moment and through their example that we're given insight into what's most important to God. See, worship is, is at the heart of all that we are and all that we do in Christ. Yes, it's important that as individuals and as a church that we stay on mission, uh, being Christ's ambassadors as we take the message of the gospel everywhere. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago, but before we can represent Jesus to the rest of the world, we have to spend time with Jesus when no one else is watching there's a different set of priorities that we see in the lives of these two sisters. Martha works hard to make sure the house is spotless, that a meal's prepared. She's the one who actually welcomes Jesus into her home. But in the process, we learn that she ends up neglecting Jesus, preparing things that he didn't even necessarily need in the first place. And, you know, I'm sure that Jesus was traveling with his disciples, I'm sure that he was hungry. And we know that throughout Scripture, Uh, food gathering around food is one of the best pictures of fellowship and community that we're given but in martha's eagerness to do things for jesus hear, hear this church in martha's eagerness to do things for jesus she forgot to spend time with jesus for some of you that's the message that you need to hear today she loved jesus She welcomed him into her home, but in her eagerness to do things for Jesus, to stay busy for Jesus, she forgot to even spend time with Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, is seen at least two other times throughout the Gospels, and every time that we see her, she's in the exact same place. She's at the feet of Jesus. She sat at his feet and listened to his teaching and his instruction in this story. In John 11, she she fell at his feet and she shared the very real pain that she was feeling with the loss of her brother. In John chapter 12, she came to his feet and she, she poured out her worship. She literally poured out the most expensive perfume that money can buy. Mary and, and Martha, they're often compared. We hear this story, and, and we're, we're often told that each of us are faced with a choice. We can either be a worker like Martha, or we can be a worshiper like Mary. But I want to say this this morning. I don't believe that the Christian life is an either-or situation. I don't believe that. Uh, Charles Wesley said it perfectly in one of his hymns. These words were penned in 1742. And they are more true today than ever before. Listen to this. Faithful to my Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. Church, I believe there's a lesson in learning to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha to a degree in our work. Uh, But there should be a balance. There's a balance. See, at the core of balancing our work and worship is understanding the truth that what we do with Jesus is far more important than what we do for Jesus. I want you to hear that this morning. What we do with Jesus is far more important than what we do for Jesus. Very few things in life are are as damaging to our walk and and relationship with Jesus as trying to work for Jesus without spending time with Jesus. I see this time and time again, not just in our church, but in churches all over our country. Individuals get so involved working for Jesus, that they forget to spend time with Jesus. And it tears you apart. It wears you thin. You get burnt out. And, then, and that's why I think you see people you know, leave one church and go to the next, and you see a lot of church hopping. It's be, people think that, well, maybe it's just not feeling right here. Maybe if I go somewhere else, it'll be, it'll be better. The grass is a little bit greener, when the root of that is that we're, we're just not spending time with Jesus, the one who made us to know him, the one who knows us intimately and has given us that purpose uh, to be able to, to serve him, the ability to be able to serve him. You know, maybe you're here today and you, you're just involved in, in too many ministries in the church that you can't even count anymore. Or even outside the church, you're, you're doing too many things and you're just not spending the right kind of time with Jesus and it's affecting your life. We're shown over and over again throughout God's word that the most important part of the Christian life is the part that nobody else sees and it's the part that God sees. It's the part that nobody else can see, but it's, it's the part that only God can see. If we don't take time to meet with Jesus personally, um, each and every day if we can, when no one else is watching, we might find ourselves worried and, and upset over, over the small details in life, just like Martha, and we're going to miss the opportunity to connect and grow in our relationship with Jesus. So the overarching question that we have to ask ourselves today is this. Are we so busy doing things for Jesus that we forget to spend time with Jesus. I would say that thankfully, you know, if we find ourselves in Martha's situation, so, so busy and so worried about the details of life that we've put off spending time with Jesus, thankfully, God's word gives us direction in how we can resolve this struggle or this conflict that's in our life. God has given us his written word so that collectively and individually, as families, we would be people of the word, allowing it to affect every part of our day-to-day lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse, but one that should be a life verse for the church, says that all Scripture is inspired by God. Other translations say God breathed, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our own lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right, you know again, this verse should be a life verse for the church. We should write it on the walls. And I think that if, if the weight and busyness of your day to day life has kept you from spending valuable time with jesus and, and you recognize that today, maybe for the first time, just as as, as I read this scripture today, and you recognize that you 're not giving Jesus the attention that he needs and, and you 're not spending that time with him, we can claim the promise. That God's word is alive. God's word is active. It has a purpose in our daily lives, even in this area. So this morning, there's there's three questions that I'd like for all of us to ask ourselves individually. This isn't for the person next to you. This isn't for your kids. This This is for you individually. We ask ourselves these questions as we think about this encounter that Martha and Mary had with Jesus. The first question is this, what do we do when we recognize that we aren't spending time with Jesus? What do we do when we recognize that we aren't spending time with Jesus? 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says these words. It says, "But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know, a theme that we see from the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation is that our sin is great, but God's love and grace is so much greater. Amen? Our sin is great, but God's love and grace is so much greater. And I think, you know, this, this idea of confessing something that you did wrong, and even taking it a step further and asking for forgiveness is viewed a lot like we view the word uh, discipline in our culture today. So a lot of people, parents specifically, young parents, uh, we've run from discipline when it comes to our children. We we fear negative results, or we fear what other people will say about our, our parenting style. You know, the root word for discipline is disciple, and when it's learned, taught, And practice in a biblical way. It's something that that glorifies God and builds character in our lives and in the lives of our children. Discipline is meant to be a wonderful thing. And I would say likewise, confession and repentance is meant to be a wonderful thing. It frees us. It helps us enjoy our relationship with God and, and with others. And the great thing about coming to God, baggage and all, just as you are today, is that he's the one that initiates the meeting, and he accepts us just as we are. But he loves us enough not to leave us that way. I love the picture that Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 4 paints for us. When we talk about this idea of, uh, of confession and repentance, Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? And then it says, Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. If you feel like God is is angry with you today or somehow disappointed in you, please hear this verse and and really allow it to sink in today. Uh, Church, it's through God's kindness, His grace, something that we can never fully understand, that He's patient with us and leads us to a place of repentance, reminding us again of His goodness. And Scripture tells us that we can approach God with confidence because of what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross, trusting that he will walk with us through whatever it is that we're going through in life, even if you've put him off time and time again, even if you haven't spent time with Jesus in a while. If you haven't talked to him in a while, he's saying, I'm ready to hear from you. I'm ready to talk with you today. You know, when we recognize that we're not spending the right kind of time with Jesus, we, we can confess that to Him. We can talk with Him about what's going on in our lives. And we don't have to sugarcoat it, friends. We can be open and honest. We can just spell it out. Nothing is going to surprise Him. He, he created you. He knows you. He knows, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the most intimate details about your life. You can come to Him with confidence, and you can lay whatever it is, your struggles The issues that are going on in your family, the the workload that's just overtaking you, maybe as a mom this morning, you can lay that at the feet of Jesus. We can be open and honest. Uh, Scripture gives us this picture that we're able to come to God in our rawest state. Approach him as we are. You know, thinking about this story today, I wonder if that's why, why Mary is only ever seen at the feet of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. I wonder if that's why Mary is only ever seen at the feet of Jesus. I mean, she she was in no way a perfect person. Uh, but hear this, church. She, she knew that she had a perfect Savior. A Savior who understands all of life's struggles and difficulties. A, a Savior who we can boldly approach. You and I can approach God in the same way. And I would say this. God has also given us other people in our lives, people who, who are in our lives, have been placed in our lives to help us bear whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is that we're struggling with. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 17, another very familiar verse says that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Having someone in your life that's a close friend or, or a mentor, a spiritual leader, this is so important. And we live in a day and age now where, especially moms, I think we're being encouraged not to spend our time that way. I was talking to my wife this week, and, and she was just saying that's something that, that she's hearing more and more about. It's, it's like the, the, the workload that's being put on moms, the expectation to also you know, provide half the income and, and, and work multiple hours, take kids to, to practices, have the house cleaned and the dinners cooked, and all of these different things that, that our culture has just put on moms. And it's left no room to actually spend time with other people in your life and, and build those, those lifelong relationships that are meant to help you get through those, those difficult seasons. God has put people in our lives for a specific reason I can't tell you how many times that Faith and I have have looked to the example of other people in our lives, people who we felt were raising their kids the right way, working hard, serving Jesus in a meaningful way, and who spent the right kind of time with Jesus. And I would encourage you today that if you haven't already, identify those people in your life and surround yourself with those people identify who that is write it down and surround yourself with those people the people who are going to encourage you the people who are going to pray with you the people who understand what it's like to to raise young kids or what it's like to have kids who are grown and out of the house who are struggling what it's like to have have grandkids who are in a very difficult season of life surround yourself with people who love the Lord and who are going to encourage you in your walk with Christ. You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to take some time to hear from just a few incredibly special moms that are right here in our own church. But if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a working mom, if you're an empty nester, if you're a grandparent or a mom to someone who doesn't have a biological mom who's still with them, you know, having someone in your life that you can talk to about the day-to-day challenges of just being a mom is so invaluable. It's so important. Men, I would say that's extremely important for us as well. We're not usually the touchy-feely kind, but you've you got to surround yourself with other men who are going to walk arm-in-arm arm with you through life, who are going to encourage you and, and show you what it means to be a man of God and to live faithfully for God, to honor your spouse and raise your kids the way that God would have us do that. So what do we do when we, we recognize that we aren't spending the right kind of time with Jesus? I don't think the answer is is that complex. I think right now is the opportunity. We just start by talking with him again. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what you've said. God wants to hear from you today. Just start by talking with him again. And then identify those people in your life who God has placed there for a specific reason. To walk arm in arm with you. You might not see eye to eye on everything, and that's okay. I mean, who does? You know, the the church is made up of imperfect people, and all across this room this morning, we're going to disagree on things frequently. But God has called us to walk arm in arm with each other and to live this life the way he's called us to live. The second question I'd like for us to answer this morning is, how do we begin to make a change? If you've noticed that you aren't spending the right kind of time with Jesus, how do do we begin to make a change? Uh, Luke 16, verse 10, uh, has some very encouraging words for us today. It says that... If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. You know, on on a few occasions, uh, Faith and I have heard something that has been very encouraging. Maybe it was exactly what we needed to hear in that particular season or in that moment. And we would go home and we would write these things down. We would write down the goals that we have, and you know, I'm the kind of person, I can get so pumped up about something, but if I don't write it down, it's gone the very next day. My memory is, it's just not there. It never has been. You know, I'll go to a, a conference, and I'll hear something about, you know, three ways that your church can grow, and you can get so excited about it, and you know, it's that kind of thing, and I'm like, man, I'm so excited about this. I'm going to go back, and we're going to change the world. Our church is going to grow. Like, we're going to reach thousands of people for Jesus, and everybody's going to be baptized, and it's just, and then I don't write it down, and I come back, and you're like, what did you learn at the conference? And it's like, I forgot. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you have to write these things down. So whether it's a financial goal that you have as a family, a parenting goal, marriage goals, or goals that help your family move closer to Jesus, write these things down. Pray over these things and allow, allow them to take root in your life. You, you start small, being faithful in the small areas, and just allow God to grow you season after season. That's the instruction that we're given. Be faithful with the little things. Maybe, maybe we're talking about spending time with God. And I'll be honest, in my own life, even as a pastor, there are seasons that go by that I just don't spend enough time with God. I'm too worried about everything else that's going on around me. I just don't spend the right kind of time with him. And I have to write that down and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to just give you the first few minutes of my day, the first X amount of time of my day. For me, I, I like uh, starting my day talking with God and reading God's word. My wife, on the other hand, is a little different. She likes ending her day that way. She likes to end focused on Christ. And, and she is, and I would just kind of brag on her for a minute, for every time that I'm not faithful in this area, um, she has been the rock and the encouragement in our home for years. I, I, I can't remember a time, an evening, that her, her Bible wasn't open and that she wasn't reading. And I don't mean to embarrass you or anything like that, but There's days that I just, I get too concerned about writing the message that I don't allow it to go from here to here. You know, I think there's times that we read through our Bible plans or um, we, you know, we get so excited about a Bible study that we're doing and we just read it to check off a box. We don't allow it to go from here to here. I can be on my iPad looking at guitars or watching a video like before bed and she's there reading scripture you know, that, that's an encouragement to me, and, and I hope that you have someone in your life who's like that. That's why it's so important to surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage you. So set goals. You know, Start small. Be faithful in the small things, and see how God uses that to grow your faith and to grow your relationship with him. I'm, I'm not the same person today as I was 10 years ago, and that's not because of anything I've done. It's because of what God's done in my life, and I know that he's not finished with me either. Third question that I want to talk about today is this. Why, why is it so important to keep God at the center of our lives? This sounds like a Sunday school question, right? Like, what's the answer to that? And you raise your hand, Jesus. You know, it sounds like a Sunday school answer, but this is, this is an extremely important question. Why is it so important to keep God at the center of our lives? I want to read just a few promises uh, for you this morning. If you're, if you're in Christ, this promise is for you. If you're not in Christ, if you don't know Jesus, this promise can be for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. I think about writing a sermon and and going through it, reading through it, rewriting. Think about your favorite book. By the time it gets into your hands, it's gone through multiple uh, seasons of editing, and and God is, is working on your life. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 says that if we seek his will in all that we do and he will show you which path to take. Oh my goodness, think about that church. Seek God's will in all that you do. The promise is that he will show you which path to take. Psalms 48 verse 14 says, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He, he shows us which way to go in life, and he's with us till the end. These are, are, are three promises of thousands that God has given us through his written word for his people. I believe that Mary knew these promises. She trusted in Jesus. and She made worship, that, that spending time with Jesus, a priority in her life. We we know that worship just isn't singing songs on Sunday. That's that's a very important component to it, that that corporate worship that that responding to God who he is through song. But worship is is a lifestyle. The the Hebrew word, I wish I knew the actual word this morning, but I read it this week. The Hebrew word for worship is actually translated as worship and serve. Worship can mean worshiping God vocally with with your words, but it also means serving God and living for God, allowing that to be a lifestyle. That's how early Christians would have understood worship. It's a lifestyle. I believe that Mary knew these promises, and she trusted Jesus. She she made time for worship. She spent time with Jesus, and she made that a priority in her life. Martha loved Jesus as well, and it's about this point that most sermons on this topic, they kind of write Martha off, like no, that you know, she loved Jesus, but let's focus on on Mary. I don't believe that's what we should do. I believe Martha just found herself in a season where her work had overtaken her worship. Her work had overtaken her worship. She she needed balance in her work and worship, and the difficult details of life had crept in and make, made a home in the place that's supposed to be reserved for Jesus. Today, I'm thankful for God's word because in it we learn that Martha's story didn't end with this encounter. This isn't the last time that we see Martha. God continued to work in her life, developing her into the person that he had created her to be, a baggage and all. She didn't have to get her life right before she came to Jesus. It's, it's the other way around. I want you to hear this today, church. I, I believe that God is not finished with you. Single mothers, grandparents, moms who work at home, moms who work outside the home, fathers, God is not done with you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 reminds us of this promise. It says that I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What an awesome promise to claim today. Amen. You know today church we can celebrate the good news of God's grace in our lives. We can celebrate the moms who are in our lives.